Welcome to Bite the Orange. Through our conversations, we create a roadmap for the future of health with the most impactful leaders in the space. This is your host, Dr. Manny Fumble. Let's make the future of healthcare a reality together. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bite the Orange. And today I'm honored to have a very special guest. He's my personal friend. I love this guy to death. <laughs> And he is quite inspirational. I've been very supportive of, of, of everything I've done uh, so far. And this is no other person than Dr. Paul Wright. I think in the space of digital health and innovation, we don't normally have a lot of clinicians actually have their voice heard, right? Because you're in the forefront of what's happening in the battlefront. And so today we are honored to have him. And thank you very much for making taking the time today to join us, Dr. Paul Wright. Thank you so much, Dr. Fumbu. This is really exciting and a great opportunity. So I want to start with the first question of who are you and why do you do what you do? So my name is Paul Wright. I am a neurologist by training. I trained in critical, sorry, in stroke at Mount Sinai Medical Center, where I also did my residency program. Afterwards, I went into private practice and I was in private practice for about 13 years. And my biggest problem that I had was I kept on asking why. Why are we doing things or why are we not doing things? So with the private practice, I started asking these questions to the local hospital, which was North Shore University Hospital. And then I started doing functions in the hospital, in the administration, and I actually left North Shore Hospital and became the chief, sorry, left the private practice and became the chief of neurology at North Shore and LIJ. And I oversaw all of neurological care in Queens and Long Island. Subsequently to that, I then was offered another position to become the institute lead for a neuroscience institute for a health system, which is Nuvans Health. And there I could oversee neurology, neurosurgery, neurointerventional surgery, and rehabilitation. So I jumped on the opportunity, and that's where I am today in a nutshell. And with that being said, I spent time with you, clearly having a lot of conversations with you. And we spend, I know outside of your normal work of what you do, you're very interested in the space of digital health. And I know you spend a lot of time in Israel, for example. And I'm curious, you want to tell us about your experience in Israel and what, what the innovation landscape looks like in Israel? So when it comes down to digital innovation, Israel is an incredible landscape because one thing about Israel is a place where everybody talks and everybody communicates and everybody says, let's go to the pub and let's go sit and talk. And you have these groups of young, energetic individuals who get together. And obviously, all of the individuals have military background and military experience. And, and they also have experience with challenging authority and why aren't we doing this? So along with what the government pushes is an, a very entrepreneurial sort of landscape and basis for individuals to say, we need to create a company to do this because this is a needed area. So it turns out the digital innovation in Israel for healthcare is one of the foremost places in the world. And over the years, I've been introduced to many acquaintances or by many acquaintances to many companies that ask questions, pose questions, and say, would this device or technology help revolutionize healthcare, improving on healthcare? And 
with that, I've been working with a lot of companies that have either directly out of Israel or have actually come to the U.S. with an Israeli background and their Israeli founders to provide innovation in the digital health arena. Which is quite interesting because we talk about healthcare and the democratizing healthcare, right? And that how technology actually comes from one part of the world and you can actually be beneficial in different markets. And I actually had the privilege after being in Jerusalem for the Jerusalem Ethics Conference several years ago. And I went down to Rwanda as well. And I saw how much influence Israel had in East Africa. Uh, right in the, in the past. I mean, I'm West African from Cameroon, please, but I saw how solid the influence from the Godemeyer Foundation and have everything had the influence in Africa in general in digital health. And so the question here becomes, what do you think we can do to actually take digital health for what it is, right? Because right now we have like a lot of investors in the U.S. who's investing companies just in the U.S. and no one cares about what happens after outside of that. Do you see an opportunity here where we could get great innovation that actually scales across the globe? Absolutely. I think one of the great things that's happening nowadays, and one thing we have to realize, is that innovation and digital innovation is not a linear process. It's not a straight line. It's actually exponential because one thing leads to another thing and then it just booms in the marketplace. And we experience that in our own worlds when it comes down to video games or a new app that comes out. Or quite frankly, when you look at games, this new thing with Wordle, there's a game that came out and all of a sudden everybody is playing it throughout the world. So digital technology spreads really fast because it's easy, it's understandable. And quite frankly, many of the digital innovations are actually not very expensive. So to your question that you raised whether this is an agnostic field to cross all boundaries, the answer is absolutely yes, because it doesn't really depend on the language. It doesn't really depend on the individuals using it. It's the goal of what you want to achieve. And because of the technology and because of the power of this technology, it can, it's really agnostic to the locations and to the languages and to the background of who's going to be using it because it can always easily be adjusted. With that being said, I want to come back to Nuvens Healthcare. Is that, is, that, is that the right thing? Is it Nuvens Health System? Or Nuvens? Perfect. So it's a very interesting health system and you are there. So how, tell me about DJ innovation taking place within Nuvens. So one of the biggest problems that I see in healthcare overall is that we don't use digital innovation and digital technology clearly to the point that we should be. And I think that we are never going to get to where we need to be in healthcare unless we embrace digital technology. And one of the aspects that we see in digital technology is some physicians understand it. Some physicians get it and want to push for it. Some administrators don't get it because they say, well, we don't understand it. So if we don't understand it, it cannot be good. The patients are thriving for digital innovation and technology because they want to have better, less expensive, and essentially value-based healthcare, but they can't get it. So in between these different levels, we have these disconnects of technology that's available, technology that's not expensive, that will improve access and outcomes, but yet we, where we may see it, the patients that are down on the floors, in the streets, don't really understand that these technologies are available. So when you talk about the digital technology in our health system, 
I think it all comes down to the very simple thing is how can we monitor our patients? Because when you have a, when you have a medical assistant walk into a patient's room, wake someone up at two in the morning and say, good morning, I'm here to check your temperature, your blood pressure, your heart rate, and your respiration. Well, we have devices that do that. So why don't we employ these technologies to do it? And not only do it, but actually do it in a more accurate way. And the example I always use is what happens when someone's in a hospital that should be monitored and someone comes into the room to check the vitals and then leaves the room? Well, those vitals can change as that person leaves the room. But we won't know that until the next time where the medical assistant walks into the room. So not only is it a convenience for the patient because they're not being woken up, but the vitals are being monitored in an accurate manner. And then the next step is the actual predictive analytics, which is the real crux of where we need to get. I would challenge you on something there, my friend, but your friend, because if I'm an analytics company, I'm a startup company, right? I made it, I was in, in, in Toronto a couple of weeks ago, actually, like last week, actually, the weekend. And I spoke to a company that's great on AI and they're fantastic, but they don't have data from hospitals, right? If I was yeah. trying to sell into your health system, who do I talk to? See, I think when it comes down to the health system, I think you have to speak to the physicians who are actually managing this cohort of patients. And I think when you come into the hospital system and you say, you know what, I'm coming into the hospital system and we're going to do this blanket across the system. People get scared because they don't understand the technology. They, they understand the concept per se, but they may not understand the implementation and how to actually get it across the finish line. And I think that's where most people struggle is the actual getting it across because everybody in healthcare wants to do what's right by the patient. They want to do what is right, not only by the patient, but it's right by the hospital system, but it's the engagement and it's the actual implementation. I think many people have a struggle with. So I think to come in with what a lot of companies do is says, we're going to come in and we're going to give you this and that. Hospitals and hospital systems have been burned by many people coming in and saying, we're going to give you the panacea and it's going to cost so much money. And then it ends up not being correct or it works or it's actually counter beneficial to what they need. So I think what happens is a way to get it in is actually to target specific populations. And one of the areas that I think is obviously a very important aspect, and this is the area of sepsis. While in sepsis, is when someone comes in with a, an infection throughout their body. And while we say, and we have all these incredible metrics to say what we should do when we suspect sepsis, and we're going to treat sepsis, and we have the algorithms that you have to give fluids in a certain period of time, get antibiotics in a period of time. But the key point is, how do we recognize it? And number two, is what have we really accomplished over the past 10 to 15 years with sepsis? And I'll argue with you that not much because it's still one of the leading causes of death in the hospital system because we don't use the technologies that are available to say, you know what? If we monitor these patients in a certain manner, we can actually intervene before the patient actually gets sick and starts on that downward spiral. And I always use this quote or the movie, which is Minority Report with Tom Cruise. And I love the concept of the movie where you have a police force in the future 
that actually goes out and captures the villain before they commit the murder. And if we could transfer that concept to healthcare, where with all the data that we actually use, we could say, you know what, we knock on someone's door or walk into a patient's room and say, we are going to treat you now. And the patient says, but I'm fine, I'm sitting up. And they say, well, no, actually, you're fine now, but based on your data that we have, we need to treat you now because you are going to decompensate in a day or so from now. What's more fascinating about what you're saying, I, I love that Minority Report kind of example as well, right? And I think it's fascinating. And thank you as well. You've been very supportive of my book. Uh, and I know, uh, right, it's honorable to me. So I'll make sure I announce that piece, right? Uh, it's, but you teach also as well, right? And, and I think you're not just saying what you do, but you teach. So tell us about what you teach. Well, first of all, let me tell you a little something about your book. And this is something that, you know, we're bombarded with devices, with technology, and it's a sort of a place where people are sort of, they've got a lot of noise. But I think people have to be judicious in what they do and say, make their own personal judgments in what works for them or what they foresee should work for them or their organization. So I... First of all, I teach at Hofstra University. I do, I teach a course on hospital administration and organization. It's a master's level class. And part of the mandatory readings are your books, because to me, you cannot go into hospital administration and organization and not understand the concept of digital technology. One of the other areas where I teach is we started a residency program at Nuvance Health in neurology. Because at this point in time, we're lacking neurologists in the United States. And we predict an even bigger lack going forward of neurologists. So the best way is to home grow our own. So our neurology program, and this is where we have residents that are interested in neurology. But when you look at the education and what's required in neurology for education, to me, it's great to teach them how to be neurologists, but it's lacking in how they should become physicians because becoming a physician is not enough to be a specialist or a subspecialist. You have to be able to know the marketplace and actually put in places measures for improvement. And part of that is digital health. And our neurologists and our whole neurology team, part of their mandate, even though it's not a neurology text, is to read your book because it's important that they understand the concept of digital health and digital technology. And actually all of them are engaged in performance improvement projects in digital technology and digital health. I think on this podcast right now, I'll ask you a direct question now. Should we write a book together? Absolutely. Because we have to get the message out that no matter how it's cut, in healthcare, we have a crisis. Healthcare rates are going up, they're becoming more expensive to the point where we cannot afford healthcare. But yet the model of what we've been doing up until now, based on our teachings, doesn't work. And the question I raise to every single person out there is, go get an appointment for an annual physical. And you'll be like, yes, it's two, three months wait. What happens if you get sick? Well, if you get sick, you're going to the hospital. And then when you go to the hospital, you're getting admitted. And then you're going through all these batteries of tests. And then if there's any complication, then that's where the cost of care goes up. So we're seeing costs of care 
half a million dollars, $2 million for patients that are admitted and the communication between the teams is lacking and the technology that's used to get patients discharged is lacking where you can have a continuum from the hospital to the outpatient where everybody speaks the same language and everybody has a view of what's available. Like, well, Ms. Jones was in the hospital and she's being discharged. I don't know what she's doing as an outpatient. Great, let me just log onto the computer and see her vital signs. Let me see who's taking care of her. If she's got needs where her medications weren't filled, let me go and check on this. All this can be done remotely. So a long-winded answer to your question is yes, we have to be able to get these messages to the appropriate people because there's going to be a tipping point where we just can no longer afford healthcare the way it is. And people ask me the questions, well, it's now about 19% of GDP. My answer is I'm okay with that. Make it 20% of GDP if it's healthcare. What else are you going to spend your money on? But the key point is the value, and that's where we do not get, is the value for care. And that comes from a hospital administrator piece. And I'll tell you something, Dr. Wright. I, we've had, that's what we met through this, this through network and our passion for digital health and, and what healthcare is going, in what direction, right? And I'll tell you that digital health in general, the reason why I wrote a book and the reason why I'm doing a podcast called Bike to the Orange is because I want people to think different, right? Because the orange, the skin of the orange is bitter, my friend, right? When you bite through it, inside is sweet, but all the nutrients are in the outside piece. So people do think the same way. So bite the orange is the reason why I call the podcast that. And you're part of that family of bite the, bite the orange. I hope to see you in Los Angeles. I'm going to make it public, please, on October 1st, 2022. And we're going to do this live interview in person and talk to patients and talk to ideas about what you, with expertise in neurology and that the lay person can understand that these technologies do exist and we could make it happen. So everyone listening to this podcast right now, we expect to see Dr. Paul Wright bite the orange and send us a picture. We're going to post it, hashtag bite the orange. And this is the first of many conversations we're going to have, my friend. And I want to also officially invite you right now to be an honorary member of the Marche family, which is a podcast sponsored by Marche. I would love to get your insights and help your guidance as well, because you have great expertise and I have my love and respect for you, my friend. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you very much. It's obviously an honor. And I went into healthcare to keep patients well and to prevent illnesses and diseases to the best that we can. So I'm honored to be able to do this with you. But not only that, but I also add, add an extra commitment to this, that when we meet in person, we we'll have a conversation. We'll come back again on the next podcast. That I'll, I'll invite you on. But I want us to have a conversation about how innovative companies and entrepreneurs could partner with Nuvance, because we have a great leader like you at Nuvance. So it makes it a, a very fascinating place for everyone to go to, right? To say, hey, let's vet the best situation. Let's, let's try it out and look at the outcomes and what matters. Is the orange sweet inside or just bitter outside? That's the point, right? And I, I hope you... Dr. Paul Wright and Nuvance will be the leaders in the forefront. So if you believe in everything he just said, please bite the orange and share hashtag Nuvance, hashtag Dr. Paul Wright. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Bite the Orange. If you want to change healthcare with us, please contact us at info at emmanuelfobu.com or you can visit us at emmanuelfobu.com or bitetheorange.com. If you like this episode and want more information about us, 
You can also visit us at emmanuelfumble.com. 